All right. Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm sort of solo today. Uh, Dan and Chad aren't able to join me, but I have two awesome guests, and I am so excited about this conversation that we get to share with you. I have Alicia and Greg from Dust USA, and I recently, in the most recent episode, I just talked about my my first game experience with Dust 1947, and and so some of our listeners, you guys heard me rave about it before, but now I have awesome people to talk about it even more. So um, with that being said, um, why don't you guys just say hi and introduce yourself really quickly, and then and then we'll get kind of into the conversation. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Greg Boisbleau. I am the co-owner and manager of Dust USA, which is the distribution uh, company for Dust 1947 in North America. I'm Alicia Boisbleau, and I am the director of Dust USA and also a co-owner and basically jack of no trades in the company. <laughs> like, do whatever Greg doesn't get done. Which is a lot. I'm extremely lazy. Oh, I doubt that. <laughs> I both of you guys are, are very active, uh, from what I can tell. So, yeah. Well, I'm excited to uh, have you on. Um, I thought maybe we would start first with just kind of an introduction to what is Dust, and maybe give a little bit of history. For um, I'm sure some of our listeners have had some contact with the game before, and um, and then and then kind of get into. I would love to know just more about like what it is that you two do, um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So why don't you just give us an introduction of, of what the game is? Well, Dust 1947 is a miniature game, a miniature war game, uh, where two armies are going to face each other and basically play scenarios. Uh, it's very typical. The 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 shift, the, the the extra flavor of the game is that it's in a diesel punk weird World War II game. Uh, that means that you're in 1947 and the Second World War never ended. Uh, Hitler got killed uh, during a parade by one of his own snipers uh, because they were a little fed up with the whole thing. Uh, and they took the and they basically took power, replaced him with a, a military junta uh, that decided to conquer the world, but for a very different reason. Uh, because in 1939, they found an alien spaceship in Antarctica, uh, and that changed the face of war definitely. Because they uh, not only found the spaceship and captured the technology. Uh, and we used it to create all the walkers and, and the rocketeers and the lasers, phasers, Tesla weapons and everything. But they also found the pilot of this spaceship uh, who told them something uh, that made them shift their interest in the war uh, because they told them that humans were a disease uh, that awakened something that shouldn't have been awakened. And for that, they deserve to die. And the Vril, which is the federation of alien races that this, this pilot came from, uh, are coming back and are going to wipe out the humankind from the planet Earth. Wow. Uh, 
so so it's a it's a very dark background actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing that they awakened is actually uh, Cthulhu and his friends uh, because uh, parallel to that uh, in Babylon uh, in the ba Babylon uh, battlefield which is in Iraq and also uh, in the Pacific uh, the armies during their battles found some weird stuff uh, it happens that under Sverograd also, which is one of the main battlefields uh, of dust uh, somewhere in Russia, they also found the same kind of giant monolith uh, and constructions that make everyone super dizzy and sick and very uneasy, but also that emits this radio frequency permanently uh, towards space. Uh, and so basically the humans have awakened the great old ones and the real that are the the kind of the guardians of the galaxy uh, are the sworn enemy of the great old ones and are tracking them everywhere to dispatch them and so that's what they're going to do with the uh, with earth wow so when you get to the game you're in uh, if you really start with the rule book you're in june 1947 uh, you're in the sands of babylon uh the war is everywhere everywhere antarctica iceland uh, rome uh the vatican is a battlefield uh, zverograd as i as i mentioned uh, florida has been invaded uh it's <laughs> it's very 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 it's global really uh, in every way yeah. of the world so i like that setting you know last night in our paint party we were talking about um how a lot of stories and a lot of worlds are created out of conflict mm -hmm. and and so uh this is interesting the humans have awakened the great old ones yeah and then we had a real messenger tell us that doom is coming exactly so does that change the way that the humans interact with each other like what are some of the factions that are in in the game and 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 how do they get along or not get along so you have five main blocks in the in the game and one army that is kind of uh, everywhere so the blocks are right as of right now in the game uh the allies obviously that fight in the name of freedom and puppies everywhere uh you have the axis that is this former super bad uh, powerful group that now is trying to convince everyone that they are actually the good guys and they know something that they don't uh, except when you obviously uh, bash the head of everyone for so long, no one believes you anymore. Right. Uh, then you have the SSU, uh, which is the Sino-Soviet Union. So the, it's basically the Soviet Union and China, and they seceded from the Allies uh, around okay. 44 or 43, okay. uh, and they created their own bloc because they felt betrayed by the Allies. So, and they didn't recognize themselves, obviously, in the <clears throat> ideology of puppies everywhere. Uh, and then uh, you have uh, the IJN, uh, which is the Imperial Japan Navy. Uh, so it's also a secession from the, the Axis, uh, because the, at the time of the war, the Japanese Navy uh, thinks that the Japanese army and the emperor are weak and mm. are not doing their job to protect Japan. And so they decide to take the power there. Okay. And by doing so, they also uh, revoke all the, the alliances that they had with the Axis forces. Okay. And they become their own power. 
uh, it's actually some troops of the IGN that find this island in the middle of the Pacific where all the people and all, all the local people have mutated into these half fish, half man creatures. Uh, wow. And that's where they realize that there's something else. So. Wait, hold on. Those half man, half creature, are there actual models in the game for those? So or is that just have, in the story? They, there's no model yet, but oh. they are. we have actually artwork that we showed. And okay. we also have models uh, scheduled. Uh, I will mention the board game a little bit later okay in okay. our conversation but okay. <laughs> but yeah so so okay that's, what is the what is the fifth block uh so the i uh, the fifth block would be basically the mercenaries if i'm not mistaken uh, give me a minute oh, no no my bad my bad yep mythos mythos there it is since i said that cthulhu was awakened uh the cultists actually have uh popped up from everywhere uh and basically are killing everyone uh, uh yeah uh, mm. in the sense of babylon uh an old uh, an old <laughs> a dead <laughs> uh, priest uh, has been also awakened magically or oh, is it magic or is it deep science from the future we don't know yet but rasputin is back uh, he has been awakened by a former russian princess uh, that is now a spy for, for the Mythos. Uh, and Rasputin is leading the forces of the Mythos, uh, the cultists, but also the monsters. Uh, he seems okay. to have this special link with them because when Rasputin was uh, resuscitated, uh, a portal was opened in Babylon and immediately an avatar of Nihilathotep uh, entered the, our realm of reality. So, Wow. Okay. So before we get into into mm -hmm. the, the mercenaries, uh, Alicia and Greg, is there one that you like to play more than like, is there, is there a block that you like the most? Uh, my favorite, the one that I play would be um, the PLA. So the, the Chinese basically, um, they're my favorite because stupid reasons um their walker um looks reminds me of lucky cricket from mulan with its little radio antennas so that's how i play it and then i just i've always had a fascination with asian art so i just love the the uh, the coolie hats that they wear and that they're even strapped on the backs of the vehicles and it's it's just kind of a fun one yeah and and pla is like a faction of the SSU block. Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. Because each block has sub factions. So. Yeah. Cool. And but artwork-wise, my favorite would probably be the um, the uh, the IGN. Mm. I don't like a lot of miniatures. Um, I'm kind of an artist, I guess I would okay. state. Um, I carve teeth for a living, so proportion is extremely important to me because. If you look at my work and you see one tooth is wider or longer than the other one, it's no good. So for me, a lot of times I look at a miniature and I can tell that the body is out of proportion. The arms are too big. The legs are too short. So it bothers me internally like an OCD kind of complex. And I think yeah. that Paolo's renderings on the IGN are some of the most perfect proportions that I've ever seen in a miniature. And they look 
delicate and frail at the same time, but beautiful like a sculpture you would see at the art museum. So nice. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> Yeah. I know a lot of people like chibis, but it's just, it's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And what about you? What, what, what block or faction do you like, Greg? Mythos. Mythos. Nice. Mythos. And not the cultist part. I'm not interested. Like I'm not interested, but the monsters. The I, monsters. It's, it's amazing to have that on the table. It's amazing to just take your spawn of Cthulhu and fly it around the table and go, foo, 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 foo. you know, I, I like to, for me, gaming is really telling myself a story. Uh, I don't play to win. I'm not interested in that. So all the super competitive games are have never been my my thing. Um, I play because every time I look at the table, I have a story that is developing, and yeah. and I have a very limited imagination. I'm not I'm not creative in terms of telling a story or these kind of things. But when I see it on the table, it it pops and it reminds me of the movies that I like or the stories that I've read when I was a kid and this yeah. kind of thing. So it it really stimulates my imagination extremely. So and Mythos really does that to me. There are all these monsters that are completely out of reality because the Avatar of Nihilathotep, for example, which is my favorite monster of the whole range, makes no sense. I'm sure he plays with them like action figures because I've walked by his <laughs> office and I've found the mercenaries propped up on top of Nathotep brushing his teeth like the cleaning team. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he. So we make gags about that, him and I. And I love it. I love sometimes it. Sometimes it shows we make up stories like we had a running gag with the goat. You yes. know, we had the goat who was attacking Chef, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, yeah, it's so yeah. Mythos really does that to me. Uh, and before the the mythos, it was really the allies. Uh, yeah. Same thing because I love their vehicles. Uh, yeah, I like the the medium vehicles that look like these old fashioned tanks on on ostrich legs. Uh, I like the the glorified bikes on on chicken legs. Uh, I like their very 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 big vehicles that are super squat. Absolutely not not convenient. Loved the usa so, yeah that's the allies yeah i know but meaning you love oh yeah no yeah yeah it's, you're like this I mean, super excited to come to america and to live yeah. in america and, nice so um yeah where did you move from france very good very right. cool i lived on a riviera for basically all, all my life with some moments in paris or this kind of thing but really most of my life i live i lived in the southeast of france okay. paradise by the sea, yeah, so it was pretty nice. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. So, um, and then the last faction is mercenaries. Mercenaries. So mercenaries. And they're a little bit different, really, right? They're not really a block by themselves. Uh, historically, they are the neutral nation organization. Uh, so all the nations that didn't ally with anyone, and they chose to basically fight for money. Uh, the underlying motive of that is that it's a lot of the women of the world that were tired of losing their husbands at war and decided to end the war once and for all by entering the war. Uh, and because the best way to end the war is to kill everyone, basically. So yeah. that's where they are at right now, psychologically. Uh, so yeah. it's very extreme. I uh, noticed that they have a lot of female models. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and I didn't that. So yeah. We've introduced actually the first male models for the mercenaries this year. 
last oh, wow. last year actually with the with our modular uh, nursery teams okay. uh, don't forget paolo's figure and paolo yeah mm -hmm. paolo was sculpted actually by uh, gail goumont uh, as a surprise and we decided to have it in the in the range also so yeah we're, we're gonna in a second i want to ask about paolo but um but one of the things that I love about this game, and this is what immediately drew me in, was all of the walkers. Yeah. I love all of the walkers. Mm -hmm. And it was hard for me to choose which starter box to pick up. Yeah. And I ended up picking up uh, the mercenary one first, mm -hmm. knowing that it was gonna be the first in many, um, just because I really liked the way that walker looked probably yes. more than others. It's a combination of a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. It kind because of, they yeah. find them wrecked and they rebuild them and use the parts. See, and I love that. Uh -huh. so I can't wait to, to paint it for the, you know, get it, get it going, but. Do great uh, colors. Yeah, okay. Say again. Yeah. Do great colors. Okay. Don't, I think don't I will. contain yourself. Just do crazy stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and, and I think anybody who's ever played with giant robots or anybody who's ever, you know, like you start looking at the model line for Dust 47 yeah. and you're just gonna like, yeah. yeah. The, de the design is really amazing. And this yeah. is really intimately linked to Paolo and his taste for everything Japanese and uh, the, the yeah. mechas and this kind of things. Uh, his knowledge of, uh, of the World World War tropes uh, and his yeah. knowledge of the Second World War also because he's also a history buff, so. It's really yeah, let's, let's talk about him. Give us an introduction. Who's Paolo and what's his role in, in uh, Dust? Uh, you need a whole show to describe Paolo. Uh, <laughs> he's had an extensive past. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. far more creative than anybody would realize he is. He actually started in fashion design. So he was, yes, I know, isn't it? It's amazing, um, which is actually what I started to study when I was a young girl. Hmm. Um, so he was the... He was the director of the fashion school of Milan in Italy. Okay. So, uh, so he did that for several years. Uh, he always had a passion for miniatures and RPGs and stuff like that. Uh, so he wanted to do something in it. And I think that it's through various encounters, basically, that he entered the industry um, and started drawing for magic. magic. Okay. Uh, but also for... He basically drew art for absolutely everyone in this industry. Uh, but he also drew art for Marvel, for DC, uh, for Image Comics. Uh, so he really, he really worked with everyone. So uh, he has a style that is very, very his own. Uh, that is, uh, I mean, amazing in my in my mind. But uh, mm. so, so really, that's that's where. It, it went basically um, for dust uh, he created it basically uh, because he wanted to create his own story uh, and did a comic book with it uh, that was published by image comics uh, and then he met his business partner uh, william yao uh, during a conference somewhere between china and japan i don't remember uh, and they decided to create uh, the miniatures that were in this universe. And so they started with a 120th or 135th, 135th scale miniatures of dust. So you can find 
even now some giant walkers uh the giant german walker for example uh exists in 135th so that's a solid 30 percent bigger than what is for dust so yeah you can, you can find a few uh a few action figures also or this kind of thing so they did uh, they did that for a few years and then uh paolo started working in for a french company a french miniature company called rackham uh, which was creating a game that they, which was actually at that time they already had the game called Confrontation, which was a medieval fantasy uh, yeah. game, uh, skirmish game uh, with beautiful miniatures. They really, I mean, it was a revolution at that time uh, in terms of quality of sculpt. Uh, and uh, due to that, he, at a point, Rackham was needing uh, a sci-fi game, and he offered Dust to Rackham, so they bought it. Uh, they bought the license basically, and but they didn't like the whole say, World War II idea about it. Mm -hmm. So he became the project manager on, on their new sci-fi game that became 8043. Uh, okay. So and that's the reason why you have a lot of 8043 miniatures that look a lot like what you would see in Dust because really the one is the father or the other basically. So, or the perverted uncle, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's something. Related. So, and then uh, when Rackham died, uh, Paolo uh, started working with Olivier, who was a former Rackham employee also. Uh, and uh, they created Dust, the game, uh, which was uh, offered to AEG and then FFG and was released at Gen Con 11 years ago. Okay. And that was Dust Tactics, right? That or... was Dust Tactics, yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was really the, the first time they, they did the game like that. Uh, I mean, really about Paolo, he really worked with everyone in this industry. He has drawn many times for uh, RPGs for Modifiers, for example. He has drawn for Warzone, uh, for Mutant Chronicles. Uh, I mean... Yeah. Conan for Marvel. He did several covers for them. Yeah. Uh, Didn't he make a cover for Danzig? Um, I, I don't remember. Honestly, I, at that point, I would say probably. <laughs> <laughs> because really, he worked with everyone uh, yeah. and everything. Because really, uh, he was, I mean, he did like 150 cards for Magic. So, 159. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. I got it right here. <laughs> no, that's good. It's it's amazing because it's, from time to time we go to a convention and Paolo is with yeah. us, and suddenly you have this guy that comes with a, a, a deck of cards, like a massive deck, and he goes, "Can you sign them for me?" And Paolo wow. starts signing cards. Wow. Like nonstop. <laughs> that's incredible. So, so yeah, it's I a, like I like his art. It's good art. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And then I did a Google search here as you're talking, mm -hmm. um, AT43. Yeah. I, I can definitely see a lot of the similarities. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the, like, the, I have right now in my hand uh, Gorilla in power armor with a very long rifle. If it doesn't remind you of Gregor from the Mercenaries. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, wow. So, okay. So now... Um, so Dust Tactics gets discontinued or so uh, whatever, of, and then of the various version of Dust. Yeah, uh, Dust is 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 all has always been a co-publication. So 
uh, Dust Studio, the, the entity in China, uh, of which Paolo is a partner, uh, created the game. And then they always had another company to publish it basically for them. So at first okay. it was FFG, uh, which did Dust Tactics and Dust uh, Warfare. Okay, yes. Uh, so Dust Tactics was on grid. Dust Warfare was on a 3D terrain, uh, very old-fashioned, like Warhammer 40K. Yeah. Uh, that was that. And they did that for a very long time. Then when FFG uh, recentered their activity to something else, the uh, Dust Studio signed a partnership with, uh, I forgot their name, Battlefront. Uh, yeah. And so uh, Battlefront made uh, Dust Tactics reboot, uh, we would say V2. Uh, and then they did, uh, instead of uh, Warfare, it became Dust Battlefield, uh, okay. which is also 3D terrain and stuff, but with streamlined rules and this kind of things. Less FFG, more, battle, more Battlefront, basically. Yeah. Um, and so that lasted a, a couple of years. And then they separated uh, for reasons that we are not allowed to talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, following a Kickstarter that went well but didn't go well uh, in the end. Uh, and then uh, Paolo basically got tired of co-publishing and decided to go by himself. And so Dust Studio became the only publisher of Dust. Uh, and it became Dust 1947. And the change of rules and everything uh, was really what Paolo and Olivier had always wanted for their game and couldn't even ever do because there was always someone else telling them, uh, no, that won't work. Right, right. So that's where we are right now. Uh, okay. The new game was released in 2016. Okay. Uh, and so far, so good. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great background. And, and, you know, here we are five years later, right? And new people are still getting in because exactly. people are, you know, like myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, this is what I said in my podcast last week. I said that Dust1947 is the best out-of-the-box experience I've ever had with any miniature game I've ever played. And and I'm, I'm like, very impressed. Like, first impressions are super solid. You know, great-looking miniatures. Um, you know, you get a neoprene mat right away in the starter. That's unheard of, right? Um, and then the easy flow between 2D and 3D terrain, which I want to ask you more about later. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then the app, the app is incredible. We need to talk about that. Oh, like, <laughs> that's so much fun. So this is this is good. This is good. So now we kind of have a sense of like dust. How are you guys? How did you guys get involved now? And like, because now you're the distributor for North America, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that position? Uh, in 2015. I meet with Paolo. We meet with Paolo, actually. Uh, Gen Con. At Gen Con. Okay. Uh, and he's on the booth of Simon. Uh, they're having a small table. Uh, Olivier is doing the demos all day. Uh, Paolo is doing business. Uh, and uh, we meet because uh, at that point, they need a marketing manager. Uh, and I'm, I'm a freelancer at that point. I work for several companies. Uh, I used to work for private enterprise and these kind of things. But okay. um, so I'm, I meet with him and we start having a, a chat basically uh, about what could be done. And I'm like, okay, but I, I would like to try the game because to be fair, I never liked your game. 
I didn't like the first version. I didn't like the second version of the game. I find them too heavy, too clunky. To says, well, good for you because <laughs> we are we have rehauled everything. So try it. And I tried the game right there uh, at the table with Olivier. He gives me a demo under the speaker, like the speaker who kept blaring stuff all the time. <laughs> Olivier has uh, no he's, no he's voice. He's yelling the direction. Yeah, he has no voice left. His he's brain is dead. splitting. He's exhausted. He's exhausted. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking Sunday afternoon at two. I mean, really, it's the end of the end. Yeah. And he's dead. And so uh, I do the demo. It lasts 10 minutes. I have an absolute blast yeah. with the demo. Yeah. Like, really, the game is fun. It's uh, the Wanstein platoon, uh, the Wanstein starter set against the mercenaries, because at that point, that's the only two st one player starter sets that they have. I play that. It's amazing. Uh, Alicia looks at the miniature and goes, Well, they actually look good, which was funny it's a lot that, for her it's exactly and at that gen con believe me we went through multiple rants of what the hell is happening to this industry how do people sculpt this way and consider and be considered good so <laughs> it was really funny but and brutal it, and private yeah, yeah it's, it's really but I'm funny. polite and public <laughs> there you go <laughs> so so anyway i'm doing this demo and it's fantastic and i'm like okay i love your game uh it's it's really really good uh, we can do something with it. Uh, I believe so much in it that actually uh, Olivier says, I have to take a break because I'm going to die. I have a splitting headache and I'm dead. So I need I need to take a rest. And, and like, the little no. kid came up just before that exactly. and wanted just a demo. And There's this little kid with his dad and they are basically doing demos all weekend long to find the game that they want to play together. Yeah. And this this kid like fell in love with the zombies wants to play the zombies, wants to see how it plays and stuff like that. And Olivier looks at me and goes, I can't. Um, he really can barely talk anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's okay, I'm going to do it. Stay here. I'm like, take 10, I'm going to do it. And I did the demo to the kid and his dad. Okay. And the rules were so simple to assimilate that I didn't forget anything. I gave them the demo like I just got it. And they were happy they had a fun time they played against each other there was no competition or stuff like that it was just a fun time between a, a dad and his kid and that's it right there yeah there and then we we decided with alicia that we could work with them basically so we started like that uh that's in 2015 cool. and we went to the gamma trade show uh which is a business to business uh show that happens in las vegas or that happened in las vegas at that time um, in February. And so we go to this Gamma show because we want to find a new distribution system basically for Dust. Uh, and we are on the booth of one of the distributors there and stores are coming like from everywhere and, and say, oh, you're still alive? Yeah. And really they keep saying that and they are happy to see us. They are curious about the product. People that don't know us look at the product and go, that's some crazy high value for the price. Mm -hmm. They So the the product has a good buzz, basically. So good that during the show, uh, we're having these delicious sandwiches with uh, with Paolo. The Earl of Sandwich. Yes. <laughs> I always remember food. <laughs> And we are and we are sitting eating our sandwiches and Paolo tells us, okay, this whole distribution stuff, uh, I don't like them. 
uh, I don't like it, but we need to have something that comes from the US because they won't buy from China directly. I'm mm. like, true. He says, so wh what do you think about you and Alicia becoming the US distribution for Dust? Mm. And that's how we started. Wow. So February, we said yes. May, uh, May 1st, the company was created and started. Uh, and we were at Origins in June and GenCon in August. And you're the first ones that we will tell this to. We started with basically nothing. Yeah, absolutely. In our garage, I had to get rid of a million things that I wanted to keep so that we could stock the product in there instead. So you can imagine a husband and wife screaming at each other with a dumpster outside. Two 20-foot dumpsters. I'm borderline. Wow. So I... <laughs> And he's like, it's going, it's going right now. I'm like, no, I want that rocking chair that I haven't touched in like, you know, six yeah. years since the kids were babies. But because I rocked them in it, you know, I had yeah. to have it or well, we a need million to, other things. I received a 40 foot container worth of products. Wow. Time, and one month later, another 20 foot. So, so we, and then you need to go somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it, filled the, it filled up the garage completely, and we did that for quite a bit. Quite a bit. Oh, up until the year COVID hit, the mm. spring. Yes, we had all of our junk in the garage, in the house, walking around boxes, just completely smothered with product. And Greg would have to pick and pack and ship everything mm -hmm. <laughs> every week. You know, sometimes my kids helped. Mm -hmm. So it's. And then doing uh, four shows a year, five mm -hmm. shows a year. Yeah. All this, the people that came to volunteer to help us, they we swore them, please don't tell anyone that this is how it is. You know, we had this facade that, you know, we had the backing to start this properly, but, you know, you just yeah. don't. It's just a breath and a prayer. Yeah. And basically we took every bit of profit that we would get from the shows to do another show and another show and another mm -hmm. show. So it was crazy. It was mm -hmm. very crazy. Greg was full-time, I was part-time. So, okay. and there were times when I would basically end my day at the office and be speeding to the airport to catch the plane to take me to the show where he would be waiting up for me till one o'clock in the morning when I would arrive. And then we would sleep for a few hours and then start the day. Yeah. yeah. So it's crazy. It's that that is crazy. That's that's the that's sort of like the behind the scenes of the industry that that a lot of gamers don't know exists. You know, a lot like, of industry know. people know. They know. Yeah. Heard us talking, but we yeah. really didn't advertise that because a lot of times there's a stigma. You know, if they yeah. they know how you know rusty bucket you are. <laughs> But the product was solid. I mean, it just yeah. needed to be displayed in the right way. Well, I, I think the product is solid. But to your guys' credit, I think both of you are solid, too. I, I mentioned this, but, you know, before we hit the record button, but I first heard you guys on another podcast a few years ago, and you guys left such a lasting impression on me that I knew that I needed to try this game. And so... Um, and so for me, it's an honor to have you on on, the, on my podcast now because now I have a podcast. So we're really happy to be here. So. Yeah. And so cool. Well, why don't you tell us like what are some of your favorite parts of the game? Like, like what 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 do you enjoy doing? And 
and what are some things about it that that might might interest some of our listeners about the game what i like is that it's the the old saying you know easy to learn uh, complicated to master mm-hmm. um, i wouldn't say that for dust because it's really not complicated to master but it's each opponent and will be able to provide you with some with a different story to tell because yeah. there is really there is no power creep there is no there is no faction uh, uh, paper scissor rock you know effect to the game the way it's yeah. the way it's made it's not really possible uh, but the way you build your army will provide a different experience and because the game is so much based on scenarios, which a lot a lot of players have a tendency to forget, but mm-hmm. without the scenario, you don't play Dust. You just play a very poor version of chess. Um, yeah. So with the scenario, you play Dust, and you have like now we have like sixty or seventy scenarios that are available. So you really never play twice the same game. So it's it's really that. It's really. Um, it's really the richness of the game, but also the, the the richness of the encounters that you that it provokes. Because every time you change uh, uh, your your adversary, you change the experience, and that's that's really my main my main attraction to the game is there. Nice. Of course, the the beautiful miniatures, the the big cannons and stuff like that that doesn't spoil anything. But <laughs> but really, as I told you, I, I'm I like the storytelling. Uh, when I play, and the story is always different, and that's yeah. that's pretty cool. So, I I can see that that is a value that you hold. Yeah. Um, how it's how it's you know you mentioned it a couple times already in our conversation, and 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 that's something that really appeals to me too. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. Um, and if you don't, without scenarios, it's just a poor version of chess. <laughs> I wrote that down. I, yeah. I'm gonna remember that. So but, it's yeah. The miniature yeah. gaming is. Um, I mean, there are very few. Um, it's gonna sound jaded, but um, there are very few miniature games that are really great. Uh, yeah. You have a lot of miniature games that are fun, uh, but there's always something in the rules that doesn't work. There's always an interaction that is a little quirky. Uh, there's always a prevalence of movement or a prevalence of initiative or a prevalence of strength. There's always one thing that that makes it unbalanced. And if you don't have uh, a story around that around your game to make it uh, go beyond these quirks, uh, yeah, you that's exactly that. You play a very unbalanced game. So yeah, yeah. What about you, Alicia? What's one of your favorite parts of the game? Okay, so I am not a gamer. Not in the the aspects that you guys are gamers. I'm an Uno, Euchre, um, Shoots and Ladders, you, you know, all the stuff in the childhood, checkers, Chinese mm-hmm. checkers, uh, Connect Four, simple stuff. I played Nintendo, I played Atari, that kind of thing. Um, with my normal life, uh, my brain is pretty much fried at the end of the day. And what I appreciate is the fact that it's a 20 minute game with the basic rules and I can sit down and play that. 
and not feel like I want to kill people because you're just boggling me down with all these rules that I don't care and want to know about. I am the most non-competitive person. I hate competition of any kind, which is why I did so poorly in fashion design. But (laughs) so basically it's me being able to sit down and play a 20 minute game with Greg and I had fun. I don't like this whole thing where we base our fun on who won. Yeah. And that the winner is the one who had fun because if the loser isn't having fun, you're both losing because eventually that person is not going to play if they can't figure out how to win at least one game once in a while. So we actually did our marketing and changed um, our whole community to understand that it's the journey to the end of the game that's fun. And it's not just the actual outcome. Did you have fun? It's not who won. We're like, who cares? We don't post winners on tournaments ever because we don't care who won. You just happen to be lucky or know it a little bit better. But if I went to a a game tournament with my husband, you know, support your man. And I watched somebody rage quit and drop all of their metal miniatures all over the ground. Mm. And I'm like, if you ever do that, I swear to God, I will never come to another game with you again. This is the, the right. The right word was, I will divorce you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just our lives are so hectic and so yeah. full of stressful situations that we cannot control, that we have to just accept for what they are. That if your hobby isn't a source of joy and contentment, then what's the point of having that hobby? If your stress of every weekend is, oh, I'm just not going to have a good day unless I win this game against Joe Schmo. And if that's your life, I mean, it's not a wonder that there's so many antidepressants and, you know, other coping mechanisms that are extremely unhealthy. And I just think that if all of the game companies kind of came together on that and reminded people that it was just two young kids sitting together across a game board, playing a game and having a good time that all the gaming communities would be so much better. And there wouldn't be such an animosity towards new players or players of different sexes or any of those kinds of things. And I just saw that there was this need and we needed to change this. Yeah. You know, when I first um, started playing miniatures, my first experience was with uh, was with Hero Clicks, mm-hmm. you know, pre-painted, pre-assembled miniatures. And me and my boys would play. And mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time playing Hero Clicks. It was great. And then eventually we graduated on to other things, you know, War Machine and Warhammer and all the things. But when when my buddy and I put dust on the table a couple weeks ago um it just felt really nice it felt like coming home kind of Mm -hmm. for me you know playing playing on the grid and and it just all made sense and and it was exactly as you just described it was a joy to play and my buddy ended up winning he had uh he got i think he got the ign starter Mm -hmm. so there you go but uh (laughs) um but he ended up winning the game but we had so much fun and it's like Friday night sleepovers. I mean, yeah. you were just ecstatic the entire week because you were going to go sleep over at your friend's house. That's right. All this stuff. And we're going to drink soda like we're not supposed to. And <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's, it's and I want to do all that right now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think both of you guys have a passion, um, not only just for games, but I think for, for humanity and mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that, what you just mm -hmm. shared. So. No, really it's, uh, yeah. It, Alicia not being from this industry also, she was less uh, influenced by stuff that we are used to see. And so some situations that we wouldn't, find not normal but uh, usual uh, made her like rage because she was like no that's neither normal nor nor should it be usual it's you have to cut that and and that really really i mean we got some rebuke from some very old communities that were not happy with the change but yeah. in the end we have now a community. I mean, we have been organizing dusty dinners, for example, once a year in October, we were organizing a, a dinner and Alicia cooks during the whole week for that. It's homemade. Okay. Wow. Uh, and everything, we bring everything the day off because we have to set up everything on Friday night because the, the thing that we rent is only available after four on Friday. Mm. People come on Saturday, play all day. And we have to clean everything by uh, Sunday uh, at midnight. Mm. <laughs> I mean, by, not even Sunday, by Saturday at midnight. So it's really a rush, basically. And for Alicia, it's exhausting. But we were doing it because our community became so friendly, so so nice, so welcoming, so, so really happy to just be with each other from yeah. time to time that we just wanted to thank them for that. And so we organized that. And people came and they they come here they eat all day they play all day uh we have i mean we have like 10 tables there uh and last more. 10 or 12. we had a hard time getting tables because the venue is only so big so. yeah exactly so yeah. so we have but we have more people than we have tables mm -hmm. so i basically created some multiplayer scenarios so that nice. we could put like four players on each table and four or more sometimes and you said this is in october it's in October. Yeah. Not this I need year. to get a not flight this, over there. Not, not this year, sadly. <laughs> oh, not this year. But it's, if you've gone to all-day tournaments, and they're kind of difficult because it's yeah. in a game store usually, and then they give you a break for lunch, and then there's usually no place around that except fast food or something else that just doesn't fill tummies very well. And you're yeah. always stressed about getting there and getting something because, you know, this is back before Uber Eats and all this other stuff that we have now where we can just have stuff delivered. And so I thought that maybe that was the problem with the behavior of the people at these tournaments was that they didn't have everything they needed there. And so I thought mm -hmm. if we started having hosting tournaments and supplying food, you know, obviously they, they bought a ticket and we just did it at cost. And I would basically cook Thanksgiving meal and everybody would have plates whenever they wanted. There would be snacks when they arrived and then dinner would arrive and then there would be dessert and nobody would feel like they needed anything or they weren't rested or yeah. any so that it kind of led from that so there was a group of war machine players that we did that mm -hmm. for a couple times and they kept talking about it years later i'm like you know we should do that for dust and just rent out a place nice so but since covid i i've been on several podcasts and i won't tell people to come and eat with me um, not yeah. just because we're isolating, but because if it was my event that caused someone to die, I don't think I could live with myself. It's not worth it to me. Yeah. 
if yeah. people go to the game store and play. It's just, I would rather people just be safe until this is done. Yeah. So. Well, that's the reason why also we post the whole organized play in the stores oh, yeah. and this kind of thing. And we... that was also because of Paolo, because I will admit at the beginning of COVID, I am like the immune queen. So I never get sick. I never get the flu. I never get anything. And when I first heard about this, I thought it was just going to be like chicken pox. Everybody gets it and it's no big deal. And so we were in Reno for a retailer convention and I wasn't real worried about anything. And, you know, when they were going to cancel Adepticon, we were going to still have tournaments over at a game store because it's, it's probably fine, you know, and I didn't understand. And then when I realized, oh my God, it actually attacks the lungs and, you know, it's, it does permanent damage and we don't even know what this does and how bad that it got that I realized um, but before that, when we were talking about still having tournaments at a local game store, which we don't call them tournaments, we call them game days because tournaments yeah. is too. Um, Paolo said, no, he said, absolutely not. Yeah. He goes, I'm not going to have someone die playing my game. Yeah. And so then I realized what a mistake we were making and we just completely backed out of everything. We canceled shows before other people were canceling shows. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not bringing my staff with me and having yeah. them get sick and being responsible for that. It's not just responsibility, but it's knowing that you did that and no amount of money or surviving is worth just losing anyone. We had yeah. a friend of ours who was at the game store that we go to and he got sick with it. And having to watch his degrading over several months of no information because mm. you basically only get it from their family. And there were several times where they were like, they don't think he's going to make it through the night, you know, mm. and he died twice and was brought back two times. And the third time the, after the second time he didn't code again. And so he actually survived. But he's not the same person. He doesn't, he didn't look the same. He was so much thinner. And we saw him recently when they were going to do the mass, release the mass mandate in Ohio. And he came up to me like stressed. And he's like, it's insane. They're taking off their mask. He goes, I'm not taking off my mask. And I'm like, don't. I'm like, just stay safe. It's not worth it. So, yeah. It's, wow. Money isn't worth losing people and that's just the flat story of it so whatever happens happens but not even one person yeah. so when COVID is gone when everybody's vaccinated I will be happy to host these kinds of parties again when we can all be safe and not have to worry about these kinds of things because it's just scary because even the ones who are vaccinated sometimes it just doesn't work we've had multiple friends like that mm-hmm yeah yeah it's it's weird um trying to carry on you know talking about the hobby talking about our games and things like that and and like in our podcast our mission here is to inspire you to play more that's like yeah. that's like our vision statement right mm -hmm. and and as a as one of the hosts um it's been very hard to muster up inspiration for other people i mean and for myself even but knowing people that they're so creative they've found so many ways to do it 
And that's true. And they have. You can still just be safe and wear them. Right. But a lot of but a lot of folks haven't, and a lot of folks have just stopped hobbying and mm. you know and stopped getting and stopped playing games, and they're doing other things like Netflix. <laughs> but there's always like when Greg yeah. was unable because Greg actually is high risk. So um, when we did go to the game store, he wore one of our pappers. I have two of them just in case one fails on me, and I have another one. Nice. But there's always he had a paint day every Sunday. He would mm. have a paint day and. They don't know, but it meant the world to him just to yeah. have a couple hours carved out where he would just sit with his buds yeah. and paint. We were on, we were using Messenger, basically put the camera on and yeah. just painting. And from time to time, you show your miniature on the camera, you know. And it wasn't necessarily dust figures. It's just whatever yeah. you yeah. felt like painting. That's exactly what we do on our mm -hmm. Discord server every Thursday. Yeah. And it's like, and that probably, when we started that, that has probably sustained me the most. Mm -hmm. of anything this last year and and like and last night we had just a fantastic conversation and you know and i just i came away from that i, I accomplished something and i had good social time with my yeah. friends you know what i mean essentially it's what it is and so but just imagine I, the stories yeah. 20 years from now when your kids are like or whatever you know the next generation and yeah. you don't have the, I walk through a blizzard, you know, to go to yeah. school. In fact, it's like I lived through You're this cold. pandemic and it was freaking hell. But yeah. you know what? We sacrificed a lot and we got through it. But yeah. we learned new ways to do things. It's like, you know, when we think about our grandparents and what they went through with the wars and all that kind of sacrificing that they did. Yeah, It's such a small thing that we have to do now. And but the stories that the younger generation will ask us about it you know it's just going to be monumental that's true that is true mm. well um i have really enjoyed this conversation and i have really enjoyed getting to know you guys and want to steer towards the end and so i wanted to ask if there's anything that you'd like to add that i didn't ask about um also wanted to ask maybe if there's anything you wanted to ask me um just to, you know in case you're curious or interested and then i have one more final question at the end so um not really anything to add that we haven't already uh, hammered uh yeah. maybe making it more obvious but please people get vaccinated uh <laughs> if you can there are some yeah no of course but yeah. if you can there's no reason not to do it uh it's free, so let's do it. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, create new ways to reach out. Uh, reach out to people. Um, everyone is struggling. You're not the only one. Uh, everyone is in pain. Everyone is has to sacrifice way too much for this stupid disease. Uh, so reach out. Uh, Watch out for others. Yeah. Watch for signs. Write, write a friend. Uh, randomly, uh, really, you just write a friend once a day and say, "Hey, how is the, how is it holding?" You don't have to make a long conversation, but it's just about you know keeping tabs, and yeah. you will see that sometimes it it goes in a very nice conversation. Sometimes the people will tell you, "I'm fine and good," and 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 you're done, and you don't need to be to be offended or to feel that you are out of place. But just reach out. Uh, that yeah. helps a lot. I know that some people reached out to me. Uh, during the pandemic and during these past few weeks that have been absolutely chaotic for us. 
but it's and it it has changed a lot of things for me that helped a lot so yeah reach reached out and remember that we have these fantastic uh, tools of technology and they have cameras and so if you want to play games with some friends uh, put a table put your phone on top of the table and use a camera and you will be able to play a lot of games that you didn't think you could play just this way I like with, that. with the miniatures that you have on your shelves. So. I like that very much. Well, we always end with a little bit of a hobby. So, uh, hobby desk. So, what are you building and what are you painting? What are you guys working on? <laughs> okay, so that counts. mine's a little bigger. <laughs> I'm trying to build a library. So oh! I, I have honey-do lists that I don't finish. So right now our house is all torn up, not with the miniature project, but with me trying to do uh, that gas pipe thing and makes a huge library for Greg to store all his games on. Nice. You have more games than books. So that's what I'm doing. Very He's nice. got more interesting stuff, though. No, it's not, yes, more, it's not more interesting. He than... has been collecting AT43 because he has been slightly obsessed with it for years well it's really it was it has always been my favorite game um ever so i used to work for rackham and they really when the game released it changed a lot of things for me so i really i and i made beautiful encounters with, with the game for example most of my demo guys right now uh, are actually friends that i made through 8043 and Rackham. Nice. So these demo guys were the demo guys that I had already back in the days. So we became really close friends. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, it's already painted. So it's not really painting, but I'm actually on some armies, I'm actually repainting them in a different paint scheme. And okay. I fell in love with a brand of paints that is called Turbo Dork. Yes. Uh, I cannot emphasize enough how good these paints are and how fun they are to work with and how the people that are making them are good people, uh, really. And it's really amazing. So I basically collected all their paints and I'm experimenting with everything right now. So I'm trying to find a paint scheme that is gonna make my theorems, which are these weird, very dark aliens, uh, look a little bit more peppy. And he doesn't ask me for color combinations, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah, because really, the, usually I always have a painter's block, you know, where I'm like, what paint scheme should I do? And oh, yeah, but this one is mm -hmm. too hard, but I would love to do it. But this one is, is very easy, but it's boring. Uh, you know, the 50 shades of brown that I hate in miniature yeah. painting, this kind of things. Uh, with Turbo Dork, you can genuinely paint everything with like super vivid metal everywhere. And in the end, it it still clicks the way I want it to click. And that's, so I really, I, I feel freer with that. So it's, yeah, I've, I've been experimenting a lot with them. Nice. Um, and and really it's it's very interesting. So yeah, um, that's what I'm doing when I have a time to paint right now. But, nice, very cool, very yeah. cool. What about you? Um, I, uh, last night I was working on some War Machine models Nice. So I was using some uh, inserts from Death Ray Design uh -huh. uh, for basing. Yeah. I really like their product. And, yes. um, and then I'm doing this uh, magnetizing thing with one, of the, with one of the jacks where I'm trying to magnetize at the waist. Uh -huh. uh, 
it's just for easier for transport. Mm -hmm. and, oh, nice. And, okay. And and also for when the the map gets clogged, you know the the fist. Yeah, when you don't when you don't have the room to go base to base, you just remove the top and you have the legs. Oh, yeah. there it is. Exactly. Yes. One of those. That's one that has a little the little bitey guys. Yes. Yeah. The the little chickens from Cricks. Yes. Yep. Oh, nice! Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. I used to play cricks a lot, and actually, when uh, when we met with Alicia, uh, I was painting on the camera. We were communicating because I was in France, she mm -hmm. was in uh, in the U.S. So and... this is what I saw. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because I was, but I was painting my cricks at the same time because I I was collecting cricks at that point. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I collected everything for War Machine, everything, yeah. and I still have a. Uh, an extensive Signar collection that is fully painted, uh, nice. not by me, by a friend of, by a friend of mine. It. That is, and that it's is just an, too good to see. Yeah, it it's an it's yeah. an amazing job. I will never get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but I have a few more models that I would like to paint, like the the dwarf mercenaries, the yep. the the crocodiles, this kind of things. Um, I have ideas. So. My co-host Dan, the crocodile is one of his favorite models, yeah. and he has two, and he point and he painted them differently. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so one of them I think is standing on like magma and lava and stuff. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and the other one is the more traditional swampy kind of feel. Yeah. So I'm switching this year to uh, convergence. Uh huh. And the convergence has a new theme that allows um, me to take some Signar models or some Crix models. Yeah. Like, the, like very specific ones. The electric ones. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, the electric ones for Signar, oh, Signar and, then, yeah. and then like the Mechanithrals and like Soul Trappers and stuff from from Cricks. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I'm kind of collecting those and getting them assembled. And oh, um, cool. I I never had any Cricks before, and so uh, right. now now I have some. But I don't know if, how much I'll get use out of them. But um, but I'd like to have the options. It's always I, nice to paint them anyway. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Some minis, some minis really have an epic flavor to them, and I mean, I I love the jacks. Again, when I was playing War Machine, I was playing only jacks. I was playing very little troops. I yeah. hated the troops. I just wanted to play the big robots and this super powerful warlock in the middle, or actually a warcaster, but uh, yeah. in the middle Einstein. because really, yeah. And I was playing Einstein because <laughs> as Alicia was calling him, so I was playing the, uh, Nemo. Yes. Uh, Nemo 2 uh, at that time. So, and Nemo 2, 12 war jacks and run on the table, you know. See, that sounds fun to me. It is. It was extremely fun. <laughs> I, and I was losing or winning. It didn't matter. But I had sure. games. Uh, I have this. I generally made a friend in Indiana where every time we faced the game was stupid. Like mm -hmm. nothing made sense during the game. We were doing stuff and nothing was was really working the way we wanted neither him nor me and but the game was always super fun and so we started laughing all the time and then we were trying to basically be in the same ranking so that we could face each other at a point during the tournaments oh that's because fine. yeah because really it was we knew that the game would be crazy and every yeah. time it was crazy so nice. yeah these nice. are the memories that i like to have with games so. that's it <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for being a part of this conversation. I want thank to you. say thanks to our listeners. Um, you can you can find our guests at dustusa.net. And, and I want to encourage you to poke around, uh, check out. They have, there's so much information. They have a blog. On their downloads, they have at least 30 scenarios of yeah. ways to play the game that you can just download for free. Um, Some of them are even mini campaigns. 
Yes. So you download one file and you have four or six scenarios. Boom. <laughs> and and then of course, obviously, go to the store and look at other models. And and you have to, if you haven't seen these walkers, you have to look at the walkers. Yeah. So, and then um, you can find us, Spellstore Miniatures, at spellstoreminiatures.com. Uh, you'll find all the links there for our Facebook page and even our Discord server. And that's a great way to get involved with our community. Um, but uh, Dust uh, also has a Discord server too. And I think you can find their link on their website, on their Facebook page. On the Facebook page, yeah. On the Facebook page, yeah. So that being said, I hope everyone um, enjoyed the episode and have a good time and play more games. Always. Yes. <laughs> Thank you.